episode 18 with Joy Stucky, Suman versus Human. This part of the episode is sponsored by SP Developers, the most trusted real estates company in Hyderabad, India. Make an investment on your favorite property now. For more details, call plus nine one nine six seven six one seven one six three three. Hello, friends. Please like and rate my show so that it gets recommended to more and more people on the internet. Also, you can follow Suman vs. Human on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Suman vs. Human. Dear listeners, we have a fantastic, super exciting, extraordinary guest with us today. He is a great singer, super composer. He operates an amazing band. He is an artist, musician. He is also into radio and TV. I'm talking about Joy Stuckey from Macon, Georgia, America. Joy is also a musical ambassador of Macon, and that is super exciting for me. So, without much delay, I want to call Joy on Suman versus Human. Hi, Mr. Joy. Hello, my friend. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is mine. Joy, I mean it, man. I mean it. I'm really excited today because I'm super curious about you. I expect my listeners are also super curious and I'm sure today my listeners are going to get a lot of information through this episode. Yeah, well, one thing I'm good at is talking. So you, you, you've, you've got, you've got, <laughs> you've got someone that loves to talk. Joy, you know what? The first thing which comes on my mind is smell, because trust me, today my family pokes me every time whenever I touch something. It might be a object. It might be a it might be something like food or anything, man, anything, you know. If I touch anything, the first thing what I do is I smell it. I don't know why. Don't yeah. ask me why. But my family <laughs> always, you know, blames me for that. But you are a guy who have lost the sense of smell. This is true. It's not easy, man. But I, I want to know how you are you know, living your life without the sense of smell. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, there's a couple of things there to unpack. So the first thing the listeners should know is that I had a brain tumor as a child. And um, the doctors you know, told my parents that, you know, I was not probably not going to live, uh, but that they had to do the surgery because even though my chance for survival was very slim, um, they if they didn't do it, I for sure would die. And if they did do it, I would probably die. Or if I lived, I wouldn't walk or talk. Um, I, I do walk and talk. Um, and I have, I've been living now, you know, 40 something years. And uh, there have been many challenges, but I've managed to meet them. But the thing about smell is, um, you know, I'm blind, uh, but I also can't smell. And so I'm down two senses. So really, 
I'm a walking set of hands and ears, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically what you got. But, um, I think the thing about smell is, uh, it has impacted my life because, you know, I do worry as a, as a blind person, you know, I do worry about, uh, being aware of things like fire and stuff like that. Cause I'm not going to smell it. Um, you know, so I am, I am a little cautious about things like that, but because my brain tumor happened when I was so young, you know, I never, I never could, you know, I don't remember being able to smell. So it's not, it's, it's not that bad because I just never have had that ability. You don't know what actually smell is about. Exactly. You're not aware of anything like aroma or anything like that. No, no, not at all. So, I mean, it, it, you know, and it's the same thing with my eyesight, you know, it's like I, I never had it. Um, so, you know, it's not like I feel like I'm missing something. I mean, it, it makes things more difficult as far as navigating and accessibility. But as far as like missing something, you know, I just never really had it. I was so young. You know, they were, they were eight, I was 18 months old when they discovered the brain tumor. And so if I could see or smell, I don't remember it. Uh, uh, chances are that I, that I could possibly have done those things. But, but, uh, but, you know, it, 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 it never would have been normal. The interesting thing to me is how the lack of smell impacts my sense of taste. So yeah, science. I'm about to ask you this. I'm about yeah. to ask you because the moment I get a cold, I, yes. I, 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 I lose my sense of smell. And at the same right. time, I also lose my sense of taste. So scientifically speaking, um, they estimate that you lose about 30% of your sense of taste if you don't have uh, the ability to smell. So um, what that has done is made me like very sharp foods. I don't like real spicy foods because of um, I get just the heat and not a lot of the flavor because I don't I can't smell. But I do like sharp foods. What I mean by that is like I like a lot of like very strong cheese. So I. I just yeah this on the spicy food I just get the I just get the heat and not so much the flavor you know so so it's just heat with no other real context uh, I like a little spice I like a mild you know for example I like a mild curry you know just a little bit of a bite to it but nothing nothing crazy and sweet sweet is easier for me to perceive for whatever reason um, so I really I do like my uh, I do like my my desserts. Um, I, I enjoy I love breads and pastas and and things like that too. So uh, not the most healthy of, of uh, things to want to eat, but <laughs> you know I do it anyway. Okay, the man who have lost the sense of smell and who has limited sense of taste, right. apparently, surprisingly, shockingly, this man has got amazing taste for music and. Telling you, you are a rock star. Tell me about that. Oh. <laughs> well, I, you're, you're, you're very kind. I appreciate it. So, you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, the first part of my life was spent just surviving. So just I was in the hospital a lot, very sick child. Um, and until I was about 16 years old, I mean, the, you know, the first part of my life was just all about survival. Um and music was always a big part of my life. It always brought me a lot of joy, a lot of comfort. And I was always so fascinated by it and so interested. And so when I was about 13 years old, 
I started doing a lot of recording uh, with just, you know, really bad equipment. I mean, you know, stuff that was not even close to professional. But I just kept fooling around with it. My parents indulged my interest. And by the time I was 15, I had my first job as the sound technician for a planetarium um, at a museum. And I started meeting all these amazing people um, that were musicians that were, you know, 18, 20 years old, a little bit older than me. And they all started saying, hey, uh, you know, we understand you have some recording equipment in your attic at home. Do you can my band come record a demo? And uh, and I was like, oh, sure. You know, and that is how my career as a recording engineer got started. It wasn't till around 17 that I heard a band come and record a song and I have a really good knowledge of music. And I said, man, what, you know, I, I know a lot of music and I don't know that song. Who wrote that song? And they said, Oh, we did. And that's when I realized that I wanted to play music and write music and tell my story through that vehicle of music. And so I have dedicated myself to that goal uh, with everything that I have. And, uh, you know, I've been doing it ever since. So I, I, you know, I've worked with some famous people, which is great. I've worked with a, a lot of new artists that I'm excited to have given them their, you know, help them with their first project and, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I, you know, we play as much as we can and wherever we can. And, uh, it's just a real joy. We, we just had a concert here in my hometown called Joey Stuckey Alive Day. It's a free music festival that i put on every year for the community and um it's about getting together and sharing the joy of life through music and it's just a day of affirmation where we just get together and, and be grateful for for the things we have and we do it through music because that's that's the best thing i know so um and we had uh so many amazing people in the audience uh, you know there was 300 people or so that, that stayed for the whole five hour show. We had a bunch of different people performing. I performed and, and, you know, the reason that I do it is because, uh, I have something to say is number one. And then number two, music makes me happy. And then number three, I love making other people happy through music. And it was such a joy just to get a chance to, to share music and see how much people, it, how much it brightened people's day and just made them feel good. And so it, it, it's a great joy to do what I do. It really is. It's, it's a tough business, um, but it's a great joy to do it. Winning over 23 awards is not an easy thing, Joy. So yeah, that's true. I, along with my team, Suman versus Human salutes you for this amazing achievement. Well, thank you, my friend. So we want to know more about your designation of musical ambassador for Georgia. Yeah. So this is, I, you know, I've never had exactly what I wanted from life. You know, th those, I never, what I mean by that is there were things I thought my community needed that they didn't have. And so I decided, well, since we don't have it, I'm going to create it. And so uh, I have done a number of radio shows promoting, uh, you know, the music from my hometown. I've done a number of TV shows. Um, I've also done a number of you know web shows. 
Uh, I've written for a lot of magazines, talked about music from my hometown, a lot of papers. I, I created a lot of clinics and workshops where people could come to learn and grow and share their talent. And I've always done that. And, uh, you know, my only my only goal uh, uh, was just to make things better for the community. I never got paid for most of it, uh, but I just wanted to create an infrastructure where the music would be supported. So back in 2006, the mayor and city council of my hometown, uh, the local government appointed me as the official music ambassador. I'm the only one that's ever uh, had that title here. And, and what it was was a recognition of what I do, and it was a way of the city government saying you know, to the world that, that uh, I represent their values and the culture uh, of my hometown. And so whenever I travel, uh, I travel all over the world uh, speaking and performing. So whenever I do that, I always try to talk about my hometown and and share the story of this hometown with other people. It's amazing how many really big artists have come from this little town in the middle of Georgia. And some of those artists you will recognize, uh, the, the great Otis Redding, uh, the great Little Richard, both both from my hometown of Macon, Georgia. Uh, also, uh, if, if we move further into the Southern Rock world, Macon is the Southern Rock capital of the world. So you have bands like the Almond Brothers, Wet Willie, Marshall Tucker, you know, all these amazing uh, artists here. The, the only, I guess the only sad thing um, is that most of those great artists came from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And we haven't had the same kind of success, uh, you know, in, in, in the 21st century. But, you know, we're working hard to correct that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're also more into rock music, right? Well, yes and no. So I love music. I don't care what it is. If it's done with heart, if it's done with passion, I enjoy it. That's from classical to hip hop to world music. Uh, you know, I'm actually very interested in like ragas and things like that. I, you know, I, I love all, all kinds of music. What I have become known for, um, it's kind of weird. I've become known for sort of blues and rock. And uh, I love blues and rock, and that's that's a lot of what I do. But, you know, I also have the, the my biggest album, interestingly, is a jazz record that I did back in 2012 that got to number nine on the top 40 jazz charts. And, and uh, trust but, me, listeners, that soundtrack is amazing and you should go and check out. And the link is in the description. Thank you so much. So, so yeah, so I, I, I love, you know, I love all music, but I, I found, what I found was that um, I had to, and this sounds kind of weird, but I had to work, for some reason, I had a lot easier time getting attention if I did jazz or blues uh, with a little rock thrown in. So um, I just, I found that that market, I was just really suited to it. The exciting thing though, is that while my music is, you know, you know, blues rock uh, primarily, and then, and then on the other side, jazz. Uh, um, so I do both those things. Well, while I do that, I get to play every musical style under the sun because I'm a professional studio musician. 
So I play on records every day of my life at my recording studio. I play guitar, bass, vocal, and then I play piano at a very low side of adequate. But it's good enough to get the job done in about 50% of the of the cases. And then when I need somebody really good, I hire them to come in and, <laughs> and do it. But if it's something like just chords or something like that, I was like, ah, I don't need to pay somebody for this. I'll do it. But I cheat. I, I slow the tempo down and <laughs> stuff like that because I really <laughs> am you, a bad You are guy. a guitarist, right? Yeah, that's my main. Guitar and bass and vocal are my three ones. Those are the things that I compete with at a very high level. Uh, I, I dabble a little bit with three or four other instruments, but I mean, they're 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 not something I'd want to do in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about your entry in the TV? Yeah, so, you know, um, primarily what I've done in regard to television is uh promote you know this 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 local music so i had a tv show on the local nbc uh, station here for three years and its job was to bring on uh music musicians from what we call middle georgia so middle georgia is an area that's about 60 miles uh around so it, it brought in people from that entire area and uh uh it's uh you know it was it was all different kinds of music very eclectic and uh it my my goal and the reason that i did the tv show was because i felt like there were so many talented people that nobody you know knew about and i wanted to shine a light on that so uh what i'll tell you what was interesting was as i told you earlier you know i I've always had to build the things I wanted. And I got so tired of being asked to come on television in my community uh, and have my band perform or something like that. And it always sounded terrible. The sound was awful. And I was like, you know, th this is just not acceptable. And so I called one of the TV stations and I said, look, I've got a recording studio. You know, that's top of the line. So I can take care of the audio. You guys have the cameras and the lights because, you know, you don't want a blind guy, you know, using the cameras. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you, you know, and so I was like, you guys got the cameras and the lights. So let's start doing once a week a spotlight on, you know, these middle Georgia artists. Mm -hmm. I'll host it. I'll book the talent. I'll do the audio. All you have to do is film the video, mm -hmm. bring the lights and the camera people. And we'll do it. And it was a great success. We did it for, for like I said, for three years. Uh, um, the only reason we stopped doing it was, sadly, uh, sometimes, you know, people think about money first and community second. Yes. And the TV station wanted to make more money. Unfortunately, brands and companies won't come forward to sponsor such kind of shows on TV. It's really sad, you know, because, I mean, I I'm, not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't make money. We all have to eat, right? We all need to make a living. I, I get that. I have no problems with that. Um, but you also do things because it betters your fellow man. You, you do things that help everyone to to have a better life. And if you care about art in your community, then you need to support programs that promote that art. I believe that you can tell how great a culture is 
excuse me, how great a culture is if it has a thriving arts community, because art does three really important things. The first thing it does, is we act as historians, artists. We remember the past and what happened, both good and bad. The second thing that we do is we help think about a better future. And the third thing we do is we inspire people to reach for that future. And so without art, you know, civilization loses its heart. And, uh, and I just really feel like, you know, you have to do things that support the community. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't make money. I'm not saying money's bad. Uh, but I'm just saying that, you know, at some point you have to make a decision to do things because it's the right thing to do, whether you get paid for it or not. <laughs> That's how I feel yes, anyway. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> now, Stucky, let's go back. The time when your parents come to know about your deceased brain, you had unwanted guests in your brain those days. Absolutely. <laughs> so the the moment the moment your parents came to know about this from the doctor, okay. Yeah. Now that point of time, taking decision is a crucial part. It's not easy for yeah. them to take the. decision because chances are i think very less of survival yeah it's like a do or die i want to understand your parents reaction at that time absolutely so you know it's interesting my the first doctor that was going to do the surgery uh said i'll do the surgery but there's no point cuz he's going to die and uh my dad said well someone's going to do the surgery but it's not you um so they went looking for somebody else and uh, they just knew that they had to they they had to take that chance uh because not taking the chance knew what the answer was yeah. um and of course i was you know a baby so i couldn't advocate for myself i couldn't make a decision i couldn't you know yeah. but um my parents were really remarkable they they just had faith that it was going to be okay and they were determined to give me every tool that they could to live the life that I wanted and uh my parents never let me think of myself as sick they never let me think of myself as uh you know uh not not a, just not a normal kid um they 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 have a wonderful way of framing my condition. So here's the way it works. Uh I recognize my physical limitations without defining myself in those terms. So I am more than just blind or more than just, you know, disabled or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But at the same time, I have to recognize that I can't do things the same way other people do it. So for example, it's unreasonable for me to think I can drive a car. Like that's just that's not going to happen. Or or if it does happen it's a bad idea. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so you know, so I mean, so I mean, so there's that. But at the same time, they raised me to believe that I could get where I wanted to go. Maybe I couldn't drive the car, but I'd find somebody else that could. Mm. So that, that that's the way it works. And they've raised me my whole life to believe you know in myself and in my ability to function and do what i want to do as an adult 
I take that simple idea they gave me as a child and I frame it this way. I live a successful life of intention. And what does that mean? That means that I live a life that I value and that I feel brings uh, value to others. And it means that I do, by and large, everything that I want to do. It's not easy. Sometimes it's very frustrating. Sometimes it's very hard. But by and large, I find ways to do what I want to do. Put another way, I focus on solutions and not problems. So that's kind of how we how we think about it. I feel so jealous of you guys, man, guitarists, because you people, you know, usually have more girl followings than we pianists or keyboard players. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand you know, why. I don't understand. No, no, we I'm also make you. music. You also make music. But, you know, I, I really <laughs> don't understand why girls fall for guitarists. I love that. All right. So here's the deal. I will tell you, I will tell you a secret. And the secret is that the guitar is very portable. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you can take it, you can take it everywhere that the girls are. See, that's the thing. See, if, if, you, if, if you've, if you've got a piano, that's hard to move. Yes. You know? So if you've got a guitar, man, I can play guitar on the beach. I can play the guitar. I can play the guitar anywhere I want to. I mean, I just all I got to do is grab the guitar and go. So I this is really true. When I was in college, I would find where all the young ladies were and I would just be there with my guitar. And uh, and then they're like, oh, Joey, can you play this song? I just love that. Sure, I can, sweetheart. You know, so, <laughs> so you know, it's because it's not that we're better. It's just the guitar is more portable. That's all it is. But there are still many instruments which are portable, like saxophone and many, many, many other instruments. But still, yeah, that's true. Guitarists that's true. always are you know, surrounded with beautiful girls. I really don't understand you, this. I, I'll tell you the other thing. I believe you have to emote, right? So you, you put all your heart and soul and spirit into the performance. And the cool the thing about it is with the guitar, you're able to use your whole body to perform. Right. And you're able to you're able to really perform with that instrument. It's it's you know, you've got a lot of mo movement you can make with it. Yes. With with this with, with the saxophone, you know, or horn, you're you're really covering up a lot of your face, which is where a lot of people read emotion, right? So you've yeah. got you've got that, you know? <laughs> yes. and, and and so I think I think also I think guitar players just have I don't know, it's it's almost like they just they're they're like cocky. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just, you know. <laughs> They just, they just, they, I don't know. I don't know what it is about them, but you, you do have a point there. I'm going to have to think about this question. And I'm, I'm, I will see if I can't solve no, it. No, 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 oh. the next question coming up for you is even more complicated. Trust me. I'll, I'll ask you this oh, okay, question. I'm ready. <laughs> you, you have to answer me. No, no, since you are a guitarist. Okay. Uh, obviously you had a big following uh, from girls, you know, you have a lot of girl fans. No, what yeah. made Jennifer special? That's a great question. Well, she is, well, let me tell you, the, she is one of the kindest, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I, we I, are I, so, I hope Jennifer is listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> she she isn't. She is not she is not here today, but but she I'm sure she'll hear this uh, uh, if, you know when it comes out. But you know, it's true, you know, I we have an amazing story we have been married now 20 years mm -hmm. and one of the things 
that makes her uh, a perfect companion is that she is not jealous of me because she is secure in the fact that she knows I love her and thinks she's the greatest thing in the world because she does have to share me with the public. Mm. And I'll tell you the truth. I was raised as a hugger, man. I hug everybody. I, I just, that's, I, that's how I was raised. We always hugged people in my home. Mm. So, you know, I come up and hug people, um, you know, nothing weird, but just, you know, I just come up and hug people cause that's how I experience them. Mm. You know, yes. I, that, that's how I just get a feel for who they are is I, I hug people. Mm. So, so she, you know, she, and she has no problem with me taking pictures with fans and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So that's really great. But I want to tell you a short story about when we first met. Please. I was, I was, uh, in my late twenties and I'd had a horrible dating life. I I'd, I'd had lots of, lots of pain and frustration and, uh, and, uh, all of my dates are technically blind dates. haha. You know, cause I can't see obviously. So all of them are technically blind dates, mm -hmm. but we really had a friend that set us up and I had a, I had a lady recording in my studio mm -hmm. And her name is Lee McWilliams. And she said, you know, she was so sweet and so kind. I just said, you know, you are such a good person. I bet you know other good people. And Lee is a nurse. And I, I told her jokingly, I said, hey, I got a thing for nurses. So if you set me up with a good looking nurse, I will give you a studio discount. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> later, I, later I got out of that. I'll, I'll tell you how I got out of it later. But anyway, but she did. A week later, I had my wife's phone number. Mm -hmm. But I want to tell you something. When I was when I was at this point in my life, I I was having a really hard time, and I almost didn't go on the date. I almost didn't go on it because I was in a wheelchair at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd had a, a, a latent issue from the brain tumor, made my right hip literally just crumble into dust we had no warning no nothing mm -hmm. and uh so i was in a wheelchair so i thought to myself okay i'm in a wheelchair that's strike one i can't see that's strike two and i'm a musician for a living that's strike three mm -hmm. and i i thought you know maybe i shouldn't go on this date i'm not at my best and then i thought what's the worst thing that could happen what's the worst thing that could happen if we we go on this this date, you know, and we've been married 20 years now. So th that, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> hmm, yeah, yeah. And I wish this relationship will continue for centuries. Too. Yeah. All right. Now the favorite topic I want you to come on is about uh, accessibility because now you are doing so much for the community. You are helping of musicians all over the world you are helping blind people learn music or you're helping talented musicians to showcase on the stage my question is how accessible is musical instruments recording gear and stuff like that well you know it's better than it's ever been um so we are making progress um I have been working on accessibility since I since I started, you know, doing music. And uh, it's better now than it ever has been, but we still have a long way to go. The one thing that I'll say that's really encouraging is organizations like the Grammys, uh, like the Audio Engineering Society, uh, places like that are really becoming part of the conversation 
and recognizing that accessibility is just as important as anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really encouraging. And I guess the one thing that really bothers me the most is that the the idea of accessibility um, is still still lacking something. If if I have to buy something extra to make your product accessible that my sighted counterparts do not have to buy, Mm. then it's not really accessible because there's now a financial barrier to the accessibility. Mm. So yes, perhaps, perhaps the product technologically is accessible, but is it financially accessible? In other words, the blind practitioner has an extra financial burden. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's real important to recognize. I want to give a shout out, though, to uh, Ableton, uh, who has actually hired someone full time. Her name's Amy. She's great. Who's hired someone full time to work on accessibility for their products. And I think that's that's the kind of thing that needs to happen more, because for years, all the companies like, well, we can't afford to have someone that works on accessibility. And of course, that's just not true. So they've they've done that to the best of my knowledge. They're the only person that has a full-time accessibility uh, person. But um, I may be wrong about that, but that's that's the best of my knowledge. So I'm excited about that. I mean, that's great. So we've still got, we've still got ways to go. But, you know, right now uh, on the Mac, you can do Logic, Reaper, or Pro Tools. And on the PC, you can do Reaper or Samplitude. Yeah. So... Because you know, I also have big... uh, hands-on on Reaper personally, and uh, I I felt it's really helping us breathe. Uh, Reaper is great. I I don't use Reaper much myself. Um, it's just a workflow issue, but I I do like it. So you work on Ableton? No, I uh, I I work on. I, I want to work on Ableton. It's still not fully accessible. Uh, b- but I work primarily on Pro Tools or Samplitude, but I try uh, to know a little bit about all of them. Cool. Stucky, I want to share my personal experience about uh, accessibility of musical instruments. See, long back, long back, uh, I started my musical journey with Casio. Okay. Right. So the small Casio SA series, like, you know, I can say those things appear as a toy now, but uh, still, uh, the, the the keyboard was slightly manageable because, in fact, that don't come with a screen. So uh, no matter uh, the blind is playing or a normal guy is playing, so it doesn't matter, right? So that was manageable. Later, after a few years, uh, I bought, uh, you know, Yamaha PSR series keyboards and which comes with a display. There the problem started. Now, right. I have to depend on sighted counterparts to navigate through instruments and stuff like that. Ugh. It was a pain and headache because, you know, you cannot uh, always have a sighted counterpart's assistance, right, while you are in the studio or right. composing something. Right. I started contacting Yamaha and unfortunately we don't ever hear back from them. And right. Even today, even today, not all uh, keyboard instruments are, you know, coming 
uh, with accessibility features built in. Like if you go with an, any Yamaha, Roland or Casio keyboard, they are not accessible out of the box, right? That's right. The question here is, though the blind musicians are big in number, why these music companies do not look at us? Yeah. Well, you know, the only real accessible keyboards from my experience, and keep in mind, I said I'm a bad keyboard player, but um, so that's not my that's not my field of expertise. But, you know, it's complete control is uh, one of the keyboards that, uh, you know, of course, it has no sounds, you know, you have mm-hmm. to, but it's fairly accessible. And then also some of the Arturia stuff is fairly accessible. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I, I think there's three things with these companies. The first is we have to make them understand that there is a market where they can make money. Don't you think they are aware of that? Well, it's hard to say. Um, and, and, and the other the other thing is we have to make them understand that it's the right thing to do. And then the final part is when we communicate with them, we have to come to them not with the problems, but with the solutions. So when I talk to a company about accessibility, mm. I explain to them, what my issues are. Hmm. And then I explain to them some ideas I have about how we can fix them hmm. so that they don't feel like I'm just, you know, complaining, right? I'm I'm actually saying to them, hey, this is a problem. Here's some ways we might fix it. Let's start a conversation. And let me tell you, I am extremely frustrated as a blind person with some of the, the, the companies out there, hmm. but I never let them know that. I always stay polite and persistent, but but really nice. I never let the frustration show because that's that's the best way for me to get what I want. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm so, pretty sure that you might be monsterly frustrated. Yeah, yeah. I never let them know because I want them to do what I want. Mm. And I the best way for me to get them to do what I want is to keep politely you know staying part of it so it it, but it is frustrating and it's wrong because you know why it's wrong because Mm. we have the ability to fix it it is there the Mm. technology is there so it's just a question of you know making happen i i'm this is an interesting question you know ai right now artificial intelligence Mm. is all over the news everybody's talking about it Mm. Mm. and uh there's moral and ethical problems there that need to be thought about. Hmm. But I do believe that the, the artificial intelligence could be that sighted companion, that sighted counterpart that could be with the blind musician all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a real, I think it's a real powerful tool that more people need to explore. So I've been really preaching this for the past, uh, since 2018, I've been really talking about you know, artificial intelligence and it's rolled with, you know, helping uh, disabled practitioners in the music business. You are soon going to perform in the UK, right? Yes, sir. When is that? I will be performing. So right now I'm speaking at University College of London uh, on uh, November 1st uh, on a, at a, for a uh, musical sociology uh, uh, discussion. Uh, I'll be performing in the UK uh, on November 3rd, which is uh, in Henfield, about an hour and a half from London. Then I'll be uh, speaking as the keynote speaker at the ISMER Audio Conference in Milan, Italy, 
on uh, the 7th of November, and then I'll be back in the UK performing at uh, the world-famous Bedford on the 14th of November. Wow. If my listeners wants to join the event, how do they book their seats? The best way is probably to go to joeystuckey.com. And it's all on the schedule, and there are links that will take you to book seats and all that kind of good stuff. Trust me, guys, this show is must to visit, and I'm pretty sure you love it, and you will also become a great fan of Joy. And the link of the website is in the description. Please go ahead and check it out. Joy, now we have come to the question which has no option of saying no, you have to go through it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Joey, if you have all the superpowers in your hand to change something in Georgia, US, what that would be? I'll tell you exactly what it would be. I am concerned about how divided the world has become and how people with differing opinions no longer feel that they can find common ground. And so I want to bring back first, love your fellow man. And second, we can disagree about something and still love each other. And uh, so that's, that's the big thing that I would change because that changes everything from music to politics to, to, to everything, you know, it really, you know, I, I, I believe that we can always find common ground. And uh, and I think that, you know, a, you know, the law in all of our countries is based on what would a reasonable person understand. And uh, I think we need to get back to, to that idea of, you know, loving each other. You can disagree. Nothing wrong with disagreeing. Um, but you need to be able to disagree and still realize that we're all part of this one big amazing world and we should we should think of each other as fellow beings and uh so i I think that's that's the big thing for me awesome it is really fantastic talking to you today thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to host you on my show suman versus human you are doing an incredible job and it's an honor to to visit with you I, i always love making new friends And hopefully one day we'll get to meet in person. That would be a great joy for me. Thank you so much. I'm eagerly looking forward for that.